0: Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. I'm Beck. I'm Siri. And here at Team Sirius Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Hey, this is Ashley from Team Sirius Tri Club. And tonight's chat, Beck talks all about going zero to hero in your first ever Ironman. She talks all about getting ready for your first ever 140.6, including all the advice you need to get to that start line. Hope you enjoy it. How are you? We're talking about going from zero to hero, how you can train for your first Ironman, what you need to do. And I'm going to go back right back, way back to beginner mindset um, on how I prepared for my first Ironman. Probably my first race I should talk about first and then my first Ironman. So I thought tonight would be a good night to talk about that. Yes, in that top corner is not me. It's my wife's book, Finding a Way. It's coming out June 20th. So if you want to pre-order that, I can add the link afterwards. But we're talking about getting ready for your first Ironman. Lisa, you want to be one? (laughs) Okay, let's do it. So we all started. I had very humble beginnings to the start of triathlon. I couldn't even get in my time trial bars without falling off my bike couldn't even clip into my pedals. I remember the first day at high school, I got into the clip-in pedals, got to a set of lights, couldn't click out and fell off. And the trick was, I thought you had to pull it up, but all you really technically need to do is turn your heel to the side and it just clicks out. But I didn't know that. I was like 16 years old at school sport and um, I fell off at my first set of lights, but we all had humble beginnings, all of us. And we all had to start somewhere. This hat is really crooked because the camera's opposite. Sorry, you guys. we all had very humble beginnings because all of us had to learn how to swim bike run and we all had to learn how to swim. And some people say, oh, I didn't you know didn't know how to swim, so I can't do a triathlon if I don't know how to swim. But that's not true. You can learn at any age. I've had many adults learn, hi, hi Annette Miller, learn um, as mature athletes, 30, 40, 50, even 60-year-olds learn to swim. It can be daunting, but you can definitely learn to swim as an adult as well. So we're here tonight to talk about doing your first Ironman or even your first triathlon, and how to go from zero to hero. And I think anyone who finishes a triathlon or even starts a triathlon is my hero because doing an Ironman is it's a it's a crazy sport. Probably the most testing endurance event in the entire world. And it takes a lot of time, a lot of dedication, a lot of courage, a lot of guts and a lot of commitment. Um and a lot of selfishness as well. So I know you athletes out there that have triathletes that are husbands or wives and uh it's a selfish sport, put it that way. And you have to have a lot of support by your family members. So sorry, my hat's crooked. I have to keep changing it because the camera's back to front. It's very confusing here. Um hi everybody on Instagram. Hi Adele. Hi, Riz Wankati. I'm oh, sorry, I said your name wrong. Hi, Christy. So if you're on here, you guys, put your questions up. I'm gonna put them along the bottom. But as I said, we're starting from very humble beginnings. We all started somewhere. And a lot of us didn't know how to swim. I learned to swim as a kid, but I wasn't an amazing swimmer. And if you're thinking about signing up for your first triathlon or your first Ironman, I'm here to help. So we all have to start somewhere. I think, hi, Karen Peterson, how are you? Uh, I think the biggest thing is firstly, I think finding a group of like-minded people that are going to help you achieve your goal. So either whether that's your local triathlon club or a friend that's done a triathlon, preferably someone with quite a bit of experience, because it's it's a it's a very difficult sport. It's three disciplines. It's not like one sport where you can just focus on one. So swimming, biking, and running. And as you guys know or don't know, they do um, the longer stuff, the Ironman is a 3.8-kilometer swim, 112-mile bike or 180-kilometer bike, and a 42.2k marathon. I have to sip on my tea. I almost choked saying that because I can't believe I did that. And if you are you do well enough to finish in time, you actually get a finisher's medal like this. This is Mont Tremblant. This is from my athlete Brian Orbicon. He was uh three hundred pounds. He got down to below two hundred or two hundred and thirty. Did his first Ironman, and six times he didn't make the cutoff. On the sixth time, he did Mont Tremblant and he made the cutoff and he ranked me down the finish chute. And he's my inspiration, so I hold his finisher medal. It's very important, and it's quite sentimental, that one there. So starting your first triathlon or your first Ironman. Obviously, you want a group of people that are going to support you. You need to make sure your family is supportive of your idea because triathlon is easy to commit to, a short sprint or Olympic, but when you're getting into the 7.3 in Ironman, you have to have a very supportive family and network around you because it does require a lot of dedication. And you're going to have to know that you're going to dedicate, if you're new to the sport, and never done a triathlon, you're going to need one year of training, around a year of training to even be ready for your first one. And that's a lot of commitment. And you'll have to eventually build up to doing five to six-hour rides on the weekends, two-hour runs. So you have to have at least 10 hours a week of training that you can fit in. We do have a 10-hour to your first Ironman training plan, and it is – giving you all the key workouts that you need to do to complete your first Ironman in less than 10 hours training a week. You do like go up to maybe 11 or 12 hours a few times, but um, most of it is uh, up to 10 hours of training. You can do it on 10 hours of training a week. You really can if you do it properly because it's the key sessions are the long bikes and the long runs. And obviously all the interval work and fitness and high-end aerobic work and threshold work and strength work during the week. But if you only have an hour during the week, it's plenty of time to train for an Ironman or your first triathlon if you're wanting to do an Ironman though, you need to be able to fit in four to five hour bike rides at least and two hour runs on the weekends and building up to it. So if you've never done one, I would start with a sprint, move to Olympic, move to 70.3, and then move to Ironman. But as I said, the group of people around you, a coach, definitely. If you don't have a tri squad or tri-group, you definitely need a coach. If you're not a swimmer, I would definitely recommend getting swim lessons. It's very hard to teach virtually, really, really hard, but even if you jump into a like university club or a sc- school swim programs are good because they're younger kids and they um, some 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 adults even need to learn to just to breathe. So sometimes it's good to jump in with a school program where they're young kids under fifteen or under thirteen even you can jump in there or in a lane on your own but I think getting a one-on-one tri coach that can see you in person if you can't swim um, to teach you how to swim and open water swimming is very different to pool swimming because so we have to sight we have to deal with waves we have to deal with hundreds of people around us so teaching the um, long gliding a slow uh, swim stroke does not work for a triathlon for open water swimming so be mindful that your swim coach also is familiar with open water and the, the change in stroke there. So as you'll know, Michael Phelps, series talked about this before. He talked about swimming with uh, open water swimmers that were nowhere near as fast as him in the pool. And he's got his butt kicked because his long, slow stroke, that full immersive stroke does not work in open water with waves and chop and people. You need a fast stroke, fast turnover, open arm recovery, high, elbow, uh, high arm recovery, not, not high elbow recovery because you'll be hitting waves, hitting people. So many things can go wrong with that sort of recovery, but you need more of an open-arm fast stroke. So you have to have someone that's familiar with open-water swim stroke. Okay, Aussies are great at that because we swim in the surf lifesaving clubs and open water all the time. Um, it's not quite as popular here in the States, but that's why most of the Aussies are such great swimmers in open water because of the waves in the ocean. And um, we have surf lifesaving every weekend. It's just part of our, um, it's part of our growing up. So... You want that, you want a community, you want a coach, you need people around you. You also need to have um, equipment-wise, let's go there, like I feel like I'm going way back to old school here. And we have Megan Newman on here. Here we go, add a question or she's adding a comment here. Megan says, my friend is doing the first sprint try this weekend with me and said, next up, an Ironman. Wow, I don't know if I'd go from a sprint triathlon to an Ironman, but if they get through it and do an Olympic, then a 70.3, I always recommend taking the stepping stones. So go from uh, sprint then go to, um, oops, sorry, you guys, sprint, Olympic 70.3, then Ironman. That would be the steps that I would take. Um, some people go right into Ironman, but if you're gonna do that, you guys need, like, I would say the shortest period of time I've had to coach someone is about uh, 12 weeks, and he did it, and he did it in actually under 12 hours. Bill Carmody, he's a Tony Robbins person, actually. So, Bill, if you're out there, you're my hero. He went from zero to hero. He was taekwondo background, no endurance background, although that's that's some form of endurance, but really no background in swim, bike, run, and within 12 weeks did his first Ironman in under 12 hours. So that's impressive. It can be done. I don't recommend it, but he already had that sporting background. So I would say if you really want to give yourself time and not be stressed about making the cutoff, I would give yourself a year to get through it. I'd give yourself one year um, to get through it and to feel confident um, about... uh, your first one. So then we go back to equipment. So you obviously want to have a proper swimsuit, uh, as you know, guys know Zone Three. We get forty percent off Zone Three. Magic Five goggles—they're custom 3D goggles that are made to your face. They work amazing. I would recommend getting all your Zone Three snorkel, pool boy uh, swimsuit. Um, Your—if you want to spend the money, I think they're about sixty dollars on 3D goggles. They're amazing. They do 3D image of your face, and they don't leak. One big thing for me is goggle marks and leaking. So Magic 5, Zone 3, we get huge discounts for the Tri Club, Team Series Tri Club. When you join for 37 bucks, you get thousands of dollars of savings. Then you want a bicycle. Now, I would say if you're going straight into Ironman, I would not waste my money buying a mountain bike or a road bike. I would seriously buy a tri bike straight away. Um, if you already have a road bike, you could maybe get away with it with, in an Ironman. But I would say that for comfort, I always recommend trying to get trading it in for an iron triathlon time trial bike they're faster they're more aero they're more comfortable but it takes time to feel good um on your time trial bike and it takes time to get used to it so if you're going into your first race and you've never had a bike before and you're doing an ironman or 70.3 buy a time trial bike don't buy a road bike buy a time trial bike because we do, this is non-drafting, remember you guys. So you're in your time trial bars, you want to be in your time trial bars, saving energy and being comfortable. And I wouldn't waste my money on getting a road bike. And then if you don't have the money, if you have the money, buy a road bike to get your confidence, but you can get your confidence on the bars and eventually get into the time trial bars and feel comfortable. And that takes me down a rabbit hole about setup and equipment and it's so important to get a bike fit with someone that is familiar i love doing this i feel like it's a, it was maybe in my pr- prior life i was a bike fitter but i see things that often aren't seen by the naked eye and that's with time trial you need to be comfortable you want to have make sure your pads are spaced really well they're not too tight like you can't all be young for day no, okay we're not all world champion champions that want to save you know 0.1% but Make sure your elbow pads are spaced, right? Make sure your drop from your seat to your handlebars is the right height. Make sure your seat height's right. Uh, make sure that you have the gears in the right spot. I don't I don't know about that. You want, if you have gears at the end, like you have, uh, it's called like flight control or shifters at the end of your time trial bars. You also want to have them on your handlebars because you want to be able to shift there as well. So it's good to have two positions always. Um, If your electronic is great, but if your battery dies, it's not great. So if I was getting a bike and didn't know anything about bikes, I would probably go manual shift, not electronic. Um, What else? Carbon wheels. I wouldn't go carbon wheels if it's your first bike. I would go regular wheels because carbon wheels are very expensive and they're not as durable. And they're scary if you hit a crosswind and you have a carbon wheel, even if it's a shallow front wheel. Uh, the handling um, of carbon wheels are hard to handle sometimes if you're not used to that. So I just get regular alloy rims, just regular standard wheels. Um, I wouldn't waste money on aero helmets yet. Um, for your first one, you could get like a, a lower-end aero helmet, but uh, Rudy Project, uh, speaking of that, Quintana Roo, we get 20 to 25% off Quintana Roo bikes. Now, I think Quintana Roo one of the most valuable uh, for money, financially viable uh, bikes to invest in when it comes to time trial bikes because they're not too costly, but aerodynamically and speed-wise, they're almost on par with Cervelo and Trek. And I know people will argue me on this, but there's not a huge difference. And if you're not going for that extra one minute or a 1% or 2%. Brian, I was just talking about you. Bolly Lanes. You see Holly Lanes on here? I said Bolly Lanes, Bollywood. Holly Lanes, Brian Albrequin. I was just talking about this medal, and my man just jumped on. And this is what you get if you finish an Ironman. Now, I just saw Brian Orbicon come on. Hopefully, he doesn't get a big head or get embarrassed about this, but I hope he does because he deserves to. He did six Ironmans before he could He'd get his finishes medal. He didn't make the cutoff the first five times. I hope I got that right, B or is it seven times? I believe it was the sixth time. He got his finisher's medal. And B, if you could just write down what weight did we start at and then what weight did you get to to get it? And I never forget the conversation. I don't know if you want to write that in the comments about what someone said to you at the gym. They were not encouraging. They were horrible. I wanted to go and throttle them. He actually, it was number seven. Ah, it was number seven. It was number seven. He got his finishers Mr. Montremblant. I did the race. I got a second there. This is his finishes medal. From Mont-Tremblant, I keep it in my office. I don't keep any of my trophies, medals, world championship titles, world record titles, six times Ironman champion titles, junior world titles. Really weird, but I'll keep going. This is sitting in my room. Started at 389 and got down to 279 pounds. Oh, my God. Just so proud. I'm just going to sit here and wear this because I feel like it's really good energy. And, B, we're going to get back to this. We need to get back to this. So I'm going to wear my my finisher's medal, like, proud. Um, So we're talking, B, about getting into your first Ironman. If you have any tips, Brian, um, you did six of them before you made the cutoff, and you never gave up. i never never forget you sitting in Ironman Boulder, the hardest course. I was so angry when he chose that race. It's the hardest race you could choose. It's all on... Hard bike path, hundred degrees in summer in August, so hard. The course is hilly, and he just missed the cutoff. And we, I'd run most of the marathon with him, and he just missed it. And he sat in there, and he was kind of saying he was done, but he wasn't done because he then he went and did this. So, um bike, you want the right bike? Quintana Roo, we we get 25, 20 to twenty five percent off. You want to get a time trial bike if you're starting your first one. I wouldn't waste money on a road bike unless you have all the money in the world. You could go to road, but you want to get used to your time trial bike because that's what you want to race, ride in a non-drafting race, okay? If you're just doing Olympic and sprint, then a road bike's fine, but it's always faster. It's way faster. People talk about the difference between road and time trial. Huge difference. I would say if you have a road setup with the same effort, and if you're talking FTP, if you're talking power numbers, just say, for example, your average is 200 watts. Um, on a road bike you then transfer the 200 watts to a time trial bike and I can guarantee you over 40k with the right setup and the same put the same effort if we're talking numbers here but we talk paid to perceived effort we don't do numbers even though I'm exercise science background you'll be pushing the same watts and going probably at least at least a mile faster maybe even two miles faster Okay, so it's going to be at least five minutes quicker on a time trial bike. That's just how it is. So over five hours, that's 30 minutes at least. Okay, so we're not always talking about going fast, but you want to be comfortable and you want to have conserved energy so you can run the marathon. So get the time trial bike, invest in it, totally worth it. Just do it. If you need a Quintana Roo, let me know. We'll get you in the club. We'll get you a discount. We also get Bond Cycling. We also get Rudy Project helmets and glasses. 40 over 40% off those. So you definitely need a helmet. You definitely need some glasses to protect your eyes. I have to rid gyms from not wearing sunglasses. Don't make that mistake. We have visors too if you want one. But um, and you want a good a good uh, training kit. I saw my athlete wearing a skivvy, which is like a turtleneck under his cycling gear. I'm like, what are you doing? It wasn't even cycling gear. It was a t-shirt. So. Get the nice lycra that is thin and breathes and get that because it's the best to wear. You don't want non-aerodynamic clothing. So invest in a really cheap cycling kit if you can. You also want to work on a race suit. We have a company that works with us that does amazing stuff. So you want to get all your equipment. You want run shoes that are suited to you as a runner go into a run store and work with them on a suitable run shoe you have to have good running shoes I recommend honestly for newbies Hoka if you're a more mature athlete or a heavier athlete Hoka for sure is a great way to start if you're not a runner if you're a runner you might ride like a lighter shoe like the Boston Adidas that I wear but but you can't go wrong with Hoka H-O-K-A we don't get a discount with them but I do recommend them for for everyone swim stuff as I said um zone three make all the stuff you need for swimming and we get a huge discount there if you want that again you can just join and we'll, we'll give you that discount but zone three is good it's also car. there's so many companies now you do want a wetsuit um you want a wetsuit that's not too tight because people that um, aren't swimmers find them really uh, restrictive but make sure you invest in a wetsuit as well as a, a tri kit two piece or one piece two pieces easier i think and it's uh, less fussy and it's easier to go to the bathroom. So I always try to recommend a two-piece for most people. And it's slightly faster in a one-piece, but micro-fast. So for your first one, I recommend a two-piece for sure. Okay. Um, Brian saying big guy, heavy, pronated, got to go hoger. Yep. I agree, mate. I agree. Any other tips, B, Let us know. We want to hear this. This is awesome. It was so awesome to have Brian on when I'm wearing his metal. I just was talking about him. Your ears must've been burning, mate. Like we're very close. So I think he just knew I was talking about him. Um, Okay, and then of course you want to have a local swim pool. You would I would recommend a bike trainer, which is like called a wind trainer in Australia. It's a turbo trainer that you set your bike up on. Hence, why the carbon wheels are not a great idea, um, because putting carbon wheels on a bike trainer, if you have to put your back wheel in or even your front, it's not good for race wheels. I always recommend having separate wheels if you want to go down that rabbit hole. Separate wheels for for racing and training always. At least get new tires if you're going to use, um, not use carbon wheels. I don't recommend carbon wheels with with bike trainers um, unless you can take the wheel out, which a lot of the smart trainers now, you just take the wheel off and you just put the uh, into the back of the trainer, which is perfect. But you also don't want to sweat on your um, cockpit and handlebars and into your wheel because the sweat, also the salt is not good for your bike. So make sure you have towels. Get a trainer. There's a lot of really good turbo trainers out there. If anybody has ideas on good trainers, I don't love smart trainers, especially for newbies. I think they're fine for pros and top age groupers wanting to really look at power numbers. I think um, it's an absolute waste of money getting power on your bike because firstly, most of the time you don't know how to use it. You don't know what it means. You don't understand it. And I think like, you know, absolute power means nothing. It's always power to weight. So it's always your power number divided by your weight in kilos is what's per kilo. So I just don't recommend having power on your bike. I think it's a complete waste of money for newbies. It doesn't mean anything. You know when you're getting faster and fitter because you feel it. You don't need the power numbers to tell you. And as you lose weight, your power numbers are going to go down, but your power to weight can go up because remember, it's all based on power to weight. I think that power meters for newbies is a waste of time. I think um, uh, smart trainers are a complete waste of time for a newbie. I would literally go back to old school. If you agree, let me know. Cyclops, exactly. I think that is a great choice. Um, anything that's a mag trainer. I don't really love the ones that have the, um, it's like a wire cord, which gives you the pressure and you change the little um, lever to make the pressure harder. I don't like that. I like the one that you do up at the back. And it just it has constant pressure, and you just do it pretty firm, and then you can use your gears. Um, I'd rather do that. I think they're the best option. They're under three hundred bucks. You're going to start. You're going to pay over five hundred for a smart trainer, if not more. Some of them are fifteen hundred, even two thousand. Okay, so that's equipment. The other good thing about being on a trainer is you can do specific workouts for the bike without having to worry about traffic or the road or being in danger. A lot of my athletes do all their workouts on the trainer. And then we try to get them out on the road for their long rides for safety, but also because stopping and starting all the time with traffic lights, it's impossible. Um, You can still do big gear work on the trainer. You don't need to have hills to do big gear work. And a lot of you who live in say, flat areas like Florida, for example, you can't do hills because there isn't any, right? There's the bridge and that's it. So you would use a trainer, um, and as we said, Cyclops is good. If you can find a link to that, that'd be awesome, Melinda. I'd love you to put that up there. But um, you want like a mag trainer, like, and that's it's called a magnetic trainer. And there's some really good brands out there that work really, really well that are inexpensive, under three or four hundred dollars. That last. Don't get the one as I said with the little lever because sometimes they can snap. You just want the one that turns the pressure up at the back. You'll need a skewer. So they come with special skewers because a lot of the wheels now. The skewers are the wrong shape, but the trainers will come with a skewer and you just need to take the skewer in and out. You don't need to touch your wheel at all. You just take the skewer out and replace the skewer. That's it. Get a little brick or a block for your front wheel. Boom. Okay, so that's that's the best option for, for trainers um, and it's a little investment. The biggest investment is going to be a bicycle, honestly. And you can get away with riding a peloton for, say, a sprint and Olympic, but not for an Ironman or 70.3. You have to get used to that bent over position and running off the bike. And that's why a bike fit is so important for someone to be set up to run off the bike. You don't want to be set up as a time trialist. You want to be set up as a triathlete, which usually means a little higher at the front um, and the ability to be able to have an opened up uh, hip so here's the difference. The big the, the hip angle can be really narrow for a cyclist because they don't have to run off the bike. If you have a narrow, narrow hip angle where you're, say, it's kind of like having your, your femur close to your hip or your, um, just that really uh, shallow angle, that is going to affect your run off the bike. So you want to have an open hip angle as much as possible and not be squished up like a pretzel because it's going to affect your run off the bike as well. So there are the basic things that you'll need. Um... Obviously swimming, I don't love the endless pools. They don't really work well on your stroke. I think going out with an open water swim group is an amazing idea as much as you can to get used to open water. There's nothing better than practicing open water in open water. Nothing can give you that same simulation. You can swim in the pool, but I think definitely trying to get in the open water. Go to the YMCA, join, get a swim group. Um, as I said, the schools, high school programs can be good, but sometimes they don't let you when you're a mature age athlete. There's also a lot of great master's programs. Just avoid the uh, backstroke, breaststroke, and butterfly. Just do freestyle. Um, and a lot of them love to talk a lot. I know that they come just for social reasons, but if you're training for an Ironman, you need to actually swim. And you've got to swim three to four kilometers per session. Build up to that at least three times a week to get used to swimming 3.8 kilometers in race. I have my athletes complain about doing a 4K swim set. I'm like, you're swimming 3.8 kilometers in the race. It's different to the run. I don't expect you to run a marathon before a race because – It's so taxing on the body. I never recommend that. It's ridiculous. But you can get five or six-hour rides, seven-hour rides. You don't have to do 180K or 112 miles, but get as close as you can to that. Swimming, there's no excuse for not doing a 4K swim set if you're doing an Ironman. And again, marathon is different. I never have my guys run more than two and a half hours. If we do that, we do 30 minutes in the afternoon, so it's three hours total. We break it up, but we never have them running a marathon in training because once you get past that two, two two-and-a-half-hour mark, there's massive recovery is way longer it's going to affect your training the rest of the week the fatigue on the muscles joints tendons ligaments even on your heart of running is just way harder that weight bearing is way harder on the body than swimming and biking that's why we do a lot of runs off the bike to get used to that fatigue off the bike so you're getting a six-hour session in for say a brick weekend that you do for a pre-race brick we do 16 weeks out 12 weeks out eight weeks out four week out pre-race brick and you're getting in that time in the legs over the five to six hour break rather than doing a three to four hour run. So you're getting, you're never going to really benefit from running a marathon in training unless it's a straight marathon that you do that you're tapered for. And it's way further out than eight weeks before you race. Okay. So, cause just the fatigue and the recovery is crazy. Let's see here what we have. Thank you, Karen. I have a Saris mag train. It was $200 and just have a cadence spent on my training bike. Oh, that's a great one. I don't know if you have the link to that, but that would be amazing. Please put it up there if you have it, Karen. Um, speaking of, um, what was I saying? Uh, 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 let me go back here. Sorry, you guys. We've got questions here. Um, questions, where are they? Here we go. Um, we've got a padding question about the seat. But, yeah, um I would say look at look up that trainer. I've never heard of it, but you definitely want to invest in in a trainer, as I said. Um, And then where was I going Um, training plan? You definitely want to invest in some sort of a training program and stick to a schedule. And you want, as I said, if you've never done a triathlon, you're ready for an Ironman, you're signed up. You need probably a year behind you. So start with sprint, move to Olympic, then move to full distance and um and build up from there so and i've lost my trail of thought i was going to say something and i've totally forgotten so let's go to questions here so guys if you have any questions they don't have to be newbie questions um here we have a question here from megan how much padding on the seat do you recommend okay that varies for everybody but i feel like as we get older and if we're new to cycling our female parts and our male parts but our female parts are just not used to that, like sitting like that. It's not like you're sitting on your ischium, your your butt bones. We are sitting right on the front of our female pirates when we time trial. For the men too, it's awful. They're right in an awful position, but we're right on those front parts. We're not on our ischium. We're not on our butt cheeks. We're on the front. And I think it's really important to have thick padding um, even in your tri-suit. But the more important is to have the right bike seat. If you are finding it really uncomfortable, Um, you've got to find a better seat because if you have the right seat, you shouldn't need a ton of padding, but it does help a lot if you do. And make sure when you buy the bike pants that you look down the middle of the seam and make sure the seam is not being felt because once you get into that position forward like that on your female parts, you're going to feel the seam. So you want like a seamless, I don't know why they even make them, but it's pretty seamless down the middle, fairly firm padding more towards the front. And um, that was something that I did used to find uncomfortable. I had always had mild padding. Some athletes, a lot of the pros, race without them, but I couldn't do it. So the thickness of the seat, um, it's all it all varies. And I think the the bigger set, the heavier set, and the wider hips you have, the more you need padding. Um, I love the John Cobb um, Max and Max Plus. Um, I think it's Max Pro. I've always used those and it's not split, it's joined. It's split but but joined. So it's got a split in it, but it's joined. The ISM with the split nose, I didn't love because I always felt like one side would drop because I sit slightly crooked. And if you're sitting not not 100% on the front of the seat, I always felt like, the split nose with the isms now they make the ones there's so many more different. i'm so out of touch here guys because i retired in 2016 i don't know all the new seat brands but i do know that john cobb makes an amazing cobb max and cobb plus the max is wider at the nose and the plus is thinner the max for me was really really good and i used to sit right on the tip of the nose so and you don't want to be right on the tip but you definitely are a forward so if anyone has other tips for saddles i don't know what kaz and what karen what you have Um, But if anyone has other tips for saddles, let us know because um, I know there's a lot of new ones out there and there's also ones that you can change the width of the nose because some women with wider hips, which is your Q factor, which is how far apart your hips sit, which also affects your cranks um, and your Q factor of your cranks and your cleats. And this is getting into intricacies a little bit. But if you have wider hips, you're going to have – need pedals where their cleats are whew, further in. So your, your feet sit further out. If you have narrow hips, you want to have, cause your cleat sits, this is the bottom of your foot. If your cleats that way out to the side, your foot's closer to the pedal. If you have wide hips and your cleats closer to the inside, your foot's going to sit further out. So you've got to, it's very minimal because only a couple of mil with a cleat, but you've got to think about that as well. Cleat position. Um, So we've talked about that. Uh, As I said, bike fit is so important. A coach, a good training program. I would say starting from sprint, moving up to Olympic, then Ironman um, would be my best bet. And um, please write questions if you have them, you guys. Um, We did have one about seat padding. But if you know of a seat that you think is really comfortable that um, I haven't suggested, like there's ISM and there's Cobb, but I know there's other ones out there. So if you know of one, please let me know. Okay, let's get stuck into, I would say we'll get stuck into training now um, for your first Ironman. So as I said, we do have a plan that is uh, 10 to 12 hours a week of training for your first Ironman, and you can definitely get away with that, but you have to have the commitment um, two days a week to fit in a long ride and a long run, and you're going to have to build up over, say, 12 months to get to like a five- to six-hour bike ride and at least a two-hour run in order to finish make the cutoff and as I said this medal here was my guy who did his seventh one Brian Oberkund and he made the cutoff after number seven went from 350 pounds down to 240 pounds or 239 pounds and made Montreblanc one of the hardest courses the temperature if it's nice is good but the hard one of the hardest courses I've ever done is Montreblanc Hawaii is not a hard course really it's really not a hard course I don't feel like it's a hard course but it is so hard because it's so hot The heat is what got me every time and Siri jokes and says it's in my head, but it's not in my head. (laughs) Um, It's hot. It is like 110 and 90% humidity sometimes and I just, I could not handle that heat. My temperature regulation in that heat is horrible. It was horrible even as an Aussie. Um, After blacking out twice, I had trouble thermoregulating, but I think that Montreblanc is one of the hardest courses I've ever done. And um, Hawaii is hard because it's just so damn hot. The course itself, I didn't find too hard, but it's the actual the heat. Um, okay, any other questions, you guys? Let me see. Kerry Lou, how are you? Oh, Kerry, we're gonna get we're gonna get your breathing set, and then I think you should do your first Ironman for sure. It's a different kettle of fish there. As a, Siri and I talk about this all the time, you can get away with doing Olympic distance training for a seventy point three and do okay and finish and make the cutoff. But you can't really get away with doing Olympic distance training like under 10 hours a week or eight hours a week and do an Ironman. I mean, you could, but it's going to really hurt. It's going to be, it's going to, you're going to suffer a lot because you just don't have that time in your legs. My favorite athlete was, well, I don't have favorites, but one of my amazing athletes who got his seventh go made the cutoff is obviously Brian. I had another guy who was a taekwondo guy that I just talked about. We had 12 weeks for him to finish an Ironman. He'd never done triathlon, couldn't even swim, and he did it in under 12 hours. So this is just amazing, <laughs> um, absolutely amazing. So if you have questions, you guys put them up now, and we're going to go into talking about training. So as I said, um, you want to be able to eventually build up to the five, six-hour bike rides and two-hour runs. If you if you're first starting, I recommend a sprint then Olympic. But if you're going straight to an Ironman, um, I would still recommend that if you say you have less than 12 months, um, you want to still be able to fit in 10 hours of up to 10 hours of training a week. So you could do an hour a day swim, bike run. We usually would do say three swims, two to three runs and two to three bikes. And I, most of my guys can only fit in one session a day. So we might swim Tuesday, Thursdays, bike Monday, Wednesdays, um, and then run, um, on those other days um, Friday and Sunday, or we might run Tuesday, just Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday is the brick and then bike say, uh, Monday, Wednesday, but then you've got to still fit the swims in. So it's, it can be really hard. Sometimes you can only do two swims, two bikes and two runs, and that's okay. Um, if you're only doing two a days and, um, it changes each week usually, but you have to be able to get build up to doing 4k worth of swimming, you know, at least, Hunt, get hopefully get up to 100 miles on the bike and hopefully get up to at least two hours non-stop running, even if you're shuffling, um, and then you'll be almost ready. Some of the key workouts um, I would say will be brick sessions, bike runs, um, and open water swims are left out way too often. I think it's really important to get in the open water and practice open water swimming. It's very different stroke, more open arm, faster stroke, and... Um, <coughs> Practice siding in the open water is so, so, so important. So joining a master's group is really good. Hi, Aria. How are you? Let us know if you have questions. Um, so it's so important just to have a proper training plan. And as I said, I recommend sprint first. Doing So start off with a one-kilometer swim a couple of times a week. You might do a 30 to 40 minutes worth of running, build up your run base, building up to an hour of running over several months. Get on the bike. If you've got a trainer, get a bike trainer. If you don't, because if you live in a condensed area, suburban area, you don't want to be riding on the road. A trainer is great. Peloton is okay to use at the start, but you really need to get a time trial bike. If you're going, to, as I said, if you're going to invest in a bike, don't waste your money on a road bike or a mountain bike unless you have the money to waste. You want to go straight to a time trial bike if you're doing seventy point three or Ironman. And I do recommend, of course, starting off with a shorter distance before you do Ironman. But if you don't want to do that just build up slowly. Um, and we, we eventually, we would do say a, a start of season plan, which would be about eight hours. As I said, you'd like a kilometer to one and a half kilometers of swimming, three to 40 minutes running twice a week, an hour riding and slowly build up to two hours on the bike. And then an hour, hour 15 running and over several months, three to four months, we'll eventually get you up to two to three K of swimming. Probably not quite there yet, but after about three months up to two K, maybe three kilometers of swimming, Um, two hours plus of biking and hopefully over an hour of running over that three to four months. And it can take time and depends on your goals. But I definitely recommend a year's worth of conditioning before you sign up for an Ironman. But as I said, I've had a guy do it in 12 weeks from nothing. So it's definitely, definitely possible. Okay. So what do we have any questions on here? I see some comments. Might do my first Ironman next year. Karen says um, I have ISM Pro with the split. It is comfy with tri-shorts. Okay, so that's a good one. And Karen's a taller athlete with probably wider hips than than more wider than narrow. So I think that's a great recommendation right there. Um, All right, any other questions, you guys? We'll go into the actual pre-race stuff now for Ironman. So as I said, you've got to have the equipment, you've got to have training buddies, you've got to have a training plan, you've got to have hopefully a year up your sleeve to train for it. At the, at the least that I've done is 12 weeks. And that was someone who was already fit, but not, they hadn't done swim, bike, run. And you have to learn to swim, which is one of the hardest things. And you definitely would need somebody on deck doing that. It's really hard to do it um, um, virtually. So going into your first Ironman, we start to taper back about uh, two weeks before, sometimes a little longer, sometimes four weeks before. And going into your first Ironman, I always tell my guys to drive, go to the race, get there like a few days early, drive the entire course so they know the whole course, and practice their swim in the swim, on the swim course if they can before the swim race because often the sun is coming right at you. And you don't know where the buoys are. So you need to know all of that. You need to know, obviously, of practice in open water with your sighting and everything like that. Um, and then I usually have them ride the run course if they can. And that leads us to the nutrition. Now, these Ironman bags are daunting. You get like your pre-race bag, then you get your swim bag, your bike bag, your run bag, special needs bags, if you have that. Um, and it's a lot. So you want to lay everything out and you want to work out your nutrition. And nutrition, if for those of you that haven't got it worked out, you should Always in practice and in training. So, nutrition. Hi, Bradley Gordon. How are you? We're talking about Ironman nutrition. Are you going to sign up for one, Brad? Um, so, Ironman nutrition is so important. And I think a lot of people, all their training is undone um, if they don't have the nutrition right. So, if you've done the training and you've done the work, uh and you're really ready to go the big thing that can let you down is obviously your mindset and your mind but and your belief which hopefully that doesn't affect you but it's nutrition is everything and the basic basic general and you see if you look at liz Blatchford's instagram she went over this um with carbohydrate intake and old school tim don does the same i know a lot of the top pros that work on this calculation not calories they work on carbs And it is a gram to a gram and a half of carbohydrate per kilo of body weight per hour. I took in one and a half grams of carbohydrate per kilo of body weight per hour on the bike. It's very hard to do it. Obviously you can't do it swimming and people forget they get out of the swim. It's an hour swim and they forget to take in their hour worth of carbs. So out of the swim, you'll see in Kona, all these guys drinking these N these, forget what it's called but it's this uh baby food because it's like straight away 60 grams of carbs straight into their bodies and the guys usually weigh 60 or 70 kilos i was 60 kilos or not that light, maybe 70 kilos i was 60 kilos so i would have 60 uh 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour on the bike which times five hours 450 grams of carbs is what i would carry on the bike and have it that's one and a half grams of carbs per kilo body per hour I just heard Liz Blatchel was having two grams. And a lot of people now are practicing taking in two grams of carbohydrate per kilo of body weight per hour, which would be 120 grams, which is four gels, if not more per hour. But you have to remember with water, you have to drink the gels with fluid because for you to digest it, if you don't drink it with fluid and you're constantly drinking electrolyte with your gels, which is purely concentrated carbs, it's so concentrated it can cause massive stomach issues. So they also recommend... Um, it's 10 mils, although Mickey Willard recommends 20. I say 10, but let's go in between. So let's say 15. Um, But let's keep it simple. Let's keep the math simple. 10 grams, 10 mils of water per every 10 gram of carbohydrate. So this gets confusing, but if you're having, I'll keep it simple, 60 kilos is 60 grams, at least an hour minimum. I was having 90. So I was having 30 grams every 20 minutes with 300 mils of water. Okay, so it's 10 mils every 10 grams. So for every 30 gram gel, I was having 300 mils of water, okay, to digest it with it and then waiting 15, 20 minutes before anything else got into my system straight into my glycogen stores. That's a really good way to do it. Um, And you've got to practice in training. So if you're not used to taking that in, you have to practice it in training. So I would say if you're 80 kilos, you want at least 80 grams per hour on the bike, you can definitely get away with more. And the idea behind having more on the bike is so the 1.5, even up to two grams, but I would be a little lenient to have two unless you're trained for it. Um, the leaner you are and the, the higher mu- leaner muscle mass you are, the usually the more carbs you're, you're burning, the more you can burn. So if you're not really, really lean and high muscle mass, then it may not be as necessary. But 1.5 grams, get it in on the bike because – take it straight out of the swim, get your get your hours worth of carbs in it from the swim. So for me, 60 grams in straight out of the swim with water, 600 mils. I didn't quite have 60. I used to have about 30 and then 30 a few minutes later, like 10 minutes onto the bike. And then I'd have my watch set for every 20 minutes and I'd have 30 grams every 20 minutes. So I was having 90 grams an hour with 300 mils of water every 30 grams. So then I was topped up for the run. So I basically had that 0.5 grams over five hours. I would have like An extra, say, 120 grams going into the run, which even if I didn't eat would probably last me almost two hours. And that's when I would start to bonk because I would have trouble eating on the run. But you have to keep the runners for topping up. You've got to have it on the bike, straight out of the swim, have it on the bike. Your tummy's less easier to get the the movement, easier to get the food in. It's way easier on your GI system to get the carbs in on the bike and just top up for the run. So even if you can just get one gel in an hour, so just 20 grams, if you're topped up from the bike, you don't have to worry as much. And just I always grab water and electrolyte every single aid station. Don't go without so i see some people on here cafe bulow bradley gordon isra ww25 how are you um if you have questions you guys please put them up we're talking about going from zero to here if you're first iron man i was saying firstly find a group of people that do it or have done it or experienced find a swim coach if you're not a swimmer you need a swim coach preferably open water go and practice open water with a group Um, join a tribe, join a club, join Tim Series Tri Club, get all your gear sorted. As I said, we have amazing discounts with um, Quintana Roo, F2C Nutrition, um, also Rudy Project, Zone 3, uh, Magic 5 Goggles, which is the 3D imagery, Um, and, yeah, the bicycles, Quintana Roo and Rudy Project. Quintana Roo is amazing because you'll save so much money and bikes are expensive. So, as I said, you need all the equipment and then, obviously, you need a training plan and a coach and preferably someone that's quite experienced. Um, I have about 30 years, so I feel like that's pretty good. Um, But finding someone that has that experience over the Ironman distance, and I hear my athletes sometimes say, well, so-and-so did an Ironman like three years ago, and he told me, I say, whoa, 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 he did one Ironman three years ago, and you're listening to him for advice when I've done 60 Ironmans over 30 years. Let's just listen to one person and not worry about the white noise and siri says the same to her athletes because there's always different opinions with power numbers and functional threshold power and watts and smart trainers and all these metrics and we really harp on going by rate of perceived effort or exertion and cadence that's what i forgot to talk about the big thing for the bike not worrying about smart trainers or power is cadence or rpm revolutions per minute so it's how many times one pedal goes round per minute Cadence for Ironman and 70.3, we always recommend 78 to 84. That's the sweet spot. If you're at 90, you're probably spinning too high. If you're lower at 70, you've got too big a gear and you're probably the speed's not translating. With the, with the big gear, you're doing more of a strength effort rather than building up a little bit to say 80 cadence where you it's more flow because you're grinding a little too much if you're down at 70 RPM. So 78 to 84 is the sweet spot that we've found for every athlete. And you have to condition yourself. If you're at 90 RPM, that's what non-drafting athletes do. Sorry, drafting athletes do. So if you're an Olympic distance athlete that's drafting or ITU style or Olympic style, you can get away with 90 RPM because you're sitting in a pack and you're drafting behind people and you're spinning, you're you're usually um, uh, trained to run off the bike after drafting and you're saving a lot of energy sitting there drafting like in the Tour de France. And you don't need to worry too much more about pushing your own power because you're not on your own, you're in a group. So we always say... 78 to 84, ideal cadence. I can go down a rabbit hole with that, but I'm not going to. But it's really trialed and tested. You looked at, say, people like Garen um, Chrissy Wellington was 78, Marilyn DeCaffrey was 82, Ellie Salthouse is 82, Lucy Charles is probably 84, um, Lionel Sanders is maybe around, uh, maybe 82, maybe a little lower, but that is a sweet spot. So get a cadence meter because that's the thing you can keep consistent throughout Even on undulating courses, obviously on big hill climbs, it's going to change. But it's so much more important than power because focusing on power is so limiting. So definitely get a cadence meter, especially if you're coached by someone in Team Zero's Tri Club. You need a cadence meter. That's what you focus on for the bike. So I just wanted to get that in there. All right, so any other questions, you guys? I don't see, I see a comment on here. Oh, good. Thank you, Carla Thompson. Carla Thompson is saying... Um, what do you recommend for athletes who train in a cooler climate than they will race in? How can we practice our nutrition? Uh, great, great question. And that's that's what happened with Hawaii. So my first world champs as a junior, I actually won in my junior world championship. But we, uh, the reason I say that is it was, it was it was really hot. It Was in Cleveland in summer, really hot and humid, and I was living in an Australian winter. So I would get my bike trainer and put it in the half the wheel in the, in the sauna now, i don't recommend this but i'll put my wheel my wheel in the sauna so that my um i got used to the humidity um, there's ways to do it so the best way i would say would be to train indoors and train getting your nutrition in indoors um, you can have a fan but you might want to put the room up to a close as close to the temperature as you can to your race so even if you have to have a heater we did that in the gym um in winter, getting ready for hot races in Australia. I was in, living in American winter. Um, we would put the heater on and bring it up to what we could close to um, the temperature that was in Australia. And once a week, only once a week, because remember, you're going to completely dehydrate yourself, training in somewhere there's not moving air. So always have the fan on. I'm a big fan of fans, and no pun intended. But a big fan of fans, because when you're moving, running and riding, you have the wind. So don't think that you can't have a freaking fan on. It's ridiculous because you need that evaporative cooling or it's completely, it's going to also sweat all over your gear and your bike, which is not good either. But have a fan, but have it going so that simulates kind of the wind for the run on the bike. Have the fan. Don't be don't be against the fan, you guys. It's one big thing I always say, use your fan, but have the heat and you would do one run, um, one long run a month at least, leading up to it in the heat for that period of time. So a two-hour long run on the treadmill, in the heat, and then you'd have the room closed off and nice and warm, and do one trainer session a week. Um, you could do the efforts, and your your power numbers are going to be lower because in the heat they just are because you're it's hotter and you're going to be pushing the same perceived effort but less power. That's just how it's going to be. Your heart rate will be higher generally because it's hotter. You just have to. That's why I don't like focusing on numbers. Um, And then you could once a month do a long bike ride, four to five hours um, in the room with the heater on to get used to that heat. So that's what I totally recommend. Um, And don't do it more than once or twice a week because the fatigue from that hot session, it's going to dehydrate you and it's going to affect the rest of your training and you'll be more prone to injuries with tight muscles and stuff like that. So get your electrolytes in, but at least once a week, do the bike and the run. So maximum once a week bike, maximum once a week run, long ride, long run once a month to practice in there. So hopefully, Carla, did that help? Let me know. Hopefully, you're still on here. And again, practicing your nutrition, one gram of carbohydrate up to 1.5 grams of carbohydrate per kilo of body weight per hour, one gram carb per kg body weight per hour up to 1.5 grams. Okay. Um, this is for the bike and it's easier to get it in on the bike. So I'm writing that up there so you guys can hopefully read it. Yes, Carla. What are you doing, Carla? Which race are you doing? Carla also has some of my tri gear for sale. Um, Carla, how are you going with that? I know you had some of my aero helmets, some wetsuits, some goggles. Um, there was some stuff we were selling, but Hey, if you guys don't have the money to spend on tri gear, I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Carla, um, reach out to Carla Thompson right here on. She's on at my Facebook, I believe, and let her know because I have so much tri gear. If if you're Colorado, because we don't want to pay her to have to pay to send it to. You. If you're in Colorado and you need goggles, or swim stuff, or a wetsuit, especially, reach out to Carla. She's got them there, and there's all new stuff sitting there in her garage that I gave her. So please, 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 um, ask her. All right, you guys, I don't see any more questions. Um, That was awesome. I hope that helped you guys. And um, just every first Monday of the month, I will be going live doing these live streams. So um, hopefully they are very educational and are able to help you a lot. So have a great evening and um, hope to see you. If you want to join the club, go to TeamSeriousTryClub.com. I'll quickly put that. In the comments. We have $37 membership. And as I said, you get all those discounts plus huge discounts on training plans. Um, I'm going to put it on here. I don't know why we made our name so long. There we go, TimSearsTri Club.com. Um, have an amazing evening, you guys. And um, yeah, hopefully that was fun and, and, and educational mostly. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on the Beck and Series show. Be brave, be you, shine on.